fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear-based technologies. Welcome to FGGBT. Now, this is the show that takes your favorite fictional science and technology, and we make it a reality. We are the Brain Trust. I am the analytical mastermind, Daniel J. Glenn, with me. The physics phenom, Dr. Michael Dennon. Well, Dan, it is awesome to be here. It's particularly awesome to be in the correct universe where I won the superhero draft. I feel bad for my uh, fellow, you know, Dr. Michael Dennons in those other universes. But, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll get by. They'll survive, Dan. Well, that's so weird, Dennon, because I believe that this Daniel J. Glenn analytical mastermind believes he won the superhero draft. Uh, but I think maybe one of us warped in from another quantum universe. Uh, we're going to see how that would work. But before we do that, we got to figure out how that would be. And the only person who's going to know that is our enigmatic engineer, Ben Seepser. Ben, where are you broadcasting from this week? Well, Dan, this week I was pondering the old adage, when pizza's on a bagel, you can eat pizza anytime. And I've discovered that someone else has put everything on a bagel, implying you can have everything anytime. And well, I just had to see that bagel for myself. Well, Ben, you've brought to light one of the quintessential philosophical part, philosophical questions that's answered in this. You're asking the questions that I wish I had asked. So we're hopefully going to get to the bottom of that because I love pizza, I love bagels, uh, and I love everything all the time. Uh, so we, this is a movie that's inspired by everything everywhere, all at once. And this, you know, I want to talk about this movie a little bit because I have very strong feelings about this. But the one of the first feeling that I have to express here is how interesting quantum physics is in this movie. It's an incredible concept. And then as our quantum physics master, uh, I got to know what you thought. Well, I, I agree with you, Dan, that quantum physics is fascinating and interesting, whether it's in this movie or not. So, you mm -hmm. know, right there, you, you made me happy. Um, but... Right. So that's my first thought is, um, you know, I'm feeling some joy today, but um, now not too if, much, I hope not too, not too much, much not too much. Yeah. But, you know, I, I will say from a physics point of view, this is probably the best quantum movie I've seen in a very long time. Um, I really, really like how it portrayed a quantum many worlds universe. I, I would go so far as to say it is the most accurate movie I've seen in a long time. Wow. Okay, that's a, those are bold statements. Uh, what about you, Ben? Where, where do you fit in this? Well, first uh, I gotta ask a question. This is the most accurate movie of any movie, or just of a physics multiverse movie? Oh, oh, certainly of a <laughs> physics multiverse university. Okay, we have seen some very other accurate movies. <laughs> okay, um, from various physics points of view, but uh, I, I'm focusing in on a narrow bandwidth here. Okay, I'm I good just question. A worried I, I like there, the clarity. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, some documentaries are extraordinarily accurate. You'd be they surprised. are, they are, like yeah. like the Star Wars series. That's a very accurate documentary well, about that, a long that time ago, a long, long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. Of course, that happened. <laughs> right. it, it says yes. it right at the beginning. <laughs> you can't argue with that. Uh, no, that's true. What about your accuracy, Ben? Where do you fall in this? Do you think this is accurate? Do you think it's not? Uh, you know, where do you think? I mean, I think if you put thing. everything on a bagel, it will create a black hole. So, I mean, clearly. That right there, it's 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 perfect accuracy. I mean, sure. my feeble engineering brain, you know, <laughs> what I can grasp of the physics, I know if that if, if everything is in a place as small as a bagel, mm -hmm. that's that you're gonna get a black hole right there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's very true. I mean, I think that that's right. If there's enough stuff on a bagel, you're gonna have a black hole. Uh, well, you guys know I'm the master of film and television here, guys. So I got to give my two cents on on the movie itself. Uh, yeah, I like the concept. You know, it, it with a lot of things. 
It's the execution, it's the style. This movie seemed a little big for me. It's a little broad, not my favorite type of movie. I don't like those movies in general. The comedy's a little ridiculous. You got hot dog finger hands, uh, you know, the, the, the literal everything on a bagel, a pinky finger with gigantic muscles, and talk about underusing Jenny Slate. She's swinging a dog around in this. She's amazing. <laughs> How could you not use her incredible comic timing? Uh, and of course, the Rakatui guy. Uh, I actually thought that was a little bit funny. Um, <laughs> this is a little out of, it's a little out of control at the end here, guys. Don't you think this kind of loses something, or is, is that what captures Quantum? You know, the, it kind of lost me at the end. But then, and I feel like in some ways, it did capture the essence of what Quantum is, which is crazy and normal all at the same time. You know, I think that's probably, um, you nailed it down for me. The, the chaoticness of it, the overwhelmingness of it, um, the everythingness of it um, mm -hmm. is really something that appealed um, to me. I have to admit, I, I was a little with you. The hot dog fingers I had trouble with. Uh, but what about the mustard getting squirting into people's mouths and yeah, faces? So, so, I mean, like, yeah, I just, I discovered uh, a new squeamishness. You know, normally I complain about blood in movies. <laughs> I, apparently I have the yeah. same reaction to hot dog and condiments. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, a little much. But, you know, well, but, ketchup yeah. is pretty gross. It is. Yeah. But, but, you know, you could turn it around and say there was a little annoyance for everyone. Um, and so it captured the full, full the range thing. of human annoyance. I, yeah. You know, which quantum will do. Yeah. To, to not... To bring up non-annoyance, though, I'm glad you brought up the Rakakuni, Rakatui, Radakuni, whatever we want to call it, mm -hmm. because I like the accuracy that it is far more plausible that a raccoon could drive somebody than a rat. Far more <laughs> muscles, far more dexterous hands. That that's that pure genius right there. Yeah, and as Ben says, you know, this show is nothing but uh, if it, it we're nothing if we're not accurate, yes. and having having the accurate you know animal control of a human. You know, mm -hmm. that, is, that is a plus. Raccoons, the, one of the most dexterous animals out there. I, I've heard that. I've, I've seen them play video games. It's, it's quite incredible. Uh, when you I, watch I, I have to interrupt that. you, Dan. The, I think the only thing that, Ben, that would be more accurate is an octopus mm -hmm. controlling a person. Mm. Oh. But, <laughs> or, or looking I, like a person. I, that's I mean, that, that, that's true. Mm. Although the raccoons teach their children things, whereas the octopus don't. So I think the raccoons have the the ability to have the generational knowledge that what could lead to driving a human through hair, uh, hair, hair reins. Whereas I don't know if the octopus could get that far. Yeah. The hair based manipulation is, is an incredible piece to this. And I'd love to see an octopus draped over somebody's head for sure. Uh, but we, you know, we don't see that in this movie, which is ridiculous. No. Um, but what we do see is a husband and wife duo kind of hopping around the multiverse, which is kind of interesting. The, the, this, when I saw this, uh, you know, it, it reminded me of a television show that I think was way ahead of its time, and that's Quantum Leap. You know, we're in that movie or in that TV show. They're kind of zipping in and out of people. Their, their consciousness is kind of overlapping another consciousness in a different way, space and time. And this kind of felt like the next version of that. If you were to kind of extrapolate that and make it a lot bigger, uh, but I'm curious, then I'm curious what you think about that because you know multiverse stuff is very popular right now. Um, you know, Quantum Leap was a little bit older, but I think you know what do you think about multiverses and, and how this kind of captures all of that? You know, I think you're right, Dan. It is similar. I I love Quantum Leap. Watched it my you know while it was on in my I'm going to mm -hmm. claim it was my childhood. Um, I have no idea how long ago it was. <laughs> You're a millennial? That's amazing. I have no idea how old I was when I watched Quantum Leap. But, you know, we're, we're going to claim childhood, Dad. Sure. Um, I love it. Great. But 
I think the subtle difference, right, this this show really captured what I would call the quantum many worlds version, where you have multiple worlds that are the result of the wave function collapsing. In Quantum mm-hmm. Leap, he really was just leaping around in our world, quantum mechanically to different people, different times, different places. Um, and so it was kind of an, which would happen too. I mean, that is another quantum effect. So right. two very good depictions, slightly different aspects of quantum mechanics that they're getting at. Got it. Okay. Uh, what about you, Ben? You feel like a quantum leap guy. Did you watch that movie? You feel uh, that, that show? TV show? TV show. Uh, I, I always do that. Yeah. You know, as much of a Scott Bakula fan as I am, I've not uh, watched much Quantum Leap. Uh, it, it's a sh- I, I, I don't know if I'm too young for it or it just somehow uh, escaped my grasp when I was younger. But well, well, you're clearly too young, Ben. It was during my childhood. I was going <laughs> to say yeah, that was during Ben's childhood. You might have been just a twinkle in your father's eye at that point. That, that is certainly plausible. Uh, <laughs> but I, I will say, though, I, I've seen a few episodes, and I love the concept of it. And, and I, as I said, I love Scott Bakula. He's a great uh, Star Trek captain, so anything he did in Quantum Leap has also got to be amazing. Uh, it is perfect logic. I, I love it there. Um, and I, I imagine there is a quantum version of us that was all very different ages uh, when this came out. So um, I believe that that's true. So let's talk about this then. Let's break down a little bit of what's going on in this movie, uh, because I think they do some really cool things with some of the physics. Even though we've talked about some of this before, this movie does some pretty unique things. Yeah, no, it's three great things. Just real quickly, I mentioned many worlds. It starts with the many worlds principle that every time you make a major decision, there's instead of a collapse of the wave function, a new universe breaks off and these branch and branch and branch. And, you know, the farther back you go, the more branches, the farther away it is. So they have those cool maps of all the different universes and how far away they are and how connected. And so I really like how it captures that many worlds sort of understanding of quantum mechanics. This then allows you to really look at I think it's the best representation of what would happen if you tried to share consciousness with someone else. Mm-hmm. Everyone has heard the phrase Schrodinger's cat, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's really this weird idea of like you have a cat. Is it alive? Is it dead? Until you measure it, you don't know. It's in two states. If you look in this movie, the main people are, are often in two states. They're in both bodies at the same time. They're partly here, partly there. We'll explore that superposition because I think that is some of the best physics I've ever seen for quantum mechanics. And then finally, you know, this whole method they use to jump to different worlds, quantum mechanics is all about probability. And I think it's a really cool thing to take the fact that going to this different quantum world is an incredibly small probability, turn that around and say, if you can create a really small probability, you would jump to the other world. So that's an awesome twist. It's a reverse engineering that I really like. So Three really cool things, Dan. And you know, anytime something comes in threes, it's got to be mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, this is a, we're looking at a perfect example right in front of us. Um, so I, I like this idea of you know the, the multiverses, right? Like all of these universes butting off. Um, I, I want to say one thing here that I think is always a question that I've had. Uh, and maybe you guys can answer that. But it's we kind of have this idea of the quantum multiverse being you make a decision and it can go, you know, you can you can either decide to go left or right. And both of those exist at the same time. And then another universe sprouts off and it, it becomes you going left for one and you going right for the other. But what if there's no real difference in that? Right. I mean, that's that would be incredible. if Every single decision that we made created an entirely different universe. So I have to say, depending on the effects, the long term effect of that decision, 
there must be some kind of universal constant uh, or something where you have to be uh, the, the the variation has to be above a certain point before an entire universe would bud off. You know that that would seem you know I don't know what, what is this close to anything? I you know Dan I think you're right and I'm going to give our audience here an, an image. You know if you okay. think of like a coherent wave, you know you often can make a wave go down a river or a channel, um, and it stays together and all the water stays close and it's this nice peak. That's kind of that fuzzy universe of decisions that are all basically the same, mm-hmm. right? What what quantum mechanics tells us is the the wave function that we are is is a wave packet, right? Um, you know, so this little coherent thing can you know it can kind of get a little wider or a little narrower, it can flex a little bit. You know, if you make the decision a few minutes late, a few minutes early, you don't really get a whole new universe. You're just having kind of having this fuzzy universe at the edges stretch and bend a little bit. It's when mm-hmm. that wave splits into two new waves. Right, you know, you come to a channel, and there's a left channel and a right channel, and the wave, one wave goes down the left, one goes down the right. Now you've got your two universes. So you're right. I mean, we don't really know what the threshold is, but there is a threshold. I like that way you described it. So not everything is a whole new universe. You got your fuzzy ones and your new ones. Well, I think we should find that variation, whatever that 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 limitation is, and call it Glenn's constant. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm stamping it out. We ha- we don't have an answer, but I for <laughs> sure am naming it uh, when when we when we do find it. Because I feel like there's you know there's not a path. I feel like you know, animal loving is so a quintessential part of my existence. I don't think there's a version of me that becomes a hunter. So when they start looking for abilities, if you needed someone to hunt. I'm not the guy. And I feel like, Ben, there are iterations of you where the probability of you being, uh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, uh, but <laughs> you being something is, is zero, right? You, you could probably tell me what this would be. I, I think for that, I, I'm actually not sure, Dan. I think hmm. depending on, a lot of things could have happened growing up that would have changed where I am. And decisions on like where I went to college uh, drastically changed my uh my uh, trajectory, career trajectory. If I'd gone to a different school, I might have gone into biomedical engineering instead of electrical engineering, and ended up working on heart valve, you know, replacement heart valves or things like that. So, Ben, I I'm think- talking about a drastic change. Could you see yourself becoming um, a oh, serial oh, oh, killer? Dan, let's Dan, say. please, well, I got to interrupt you. Electrical hmm. engineer to biomedical bioengineer—that's a drastic change, Dan. Respect the different areas of engineering. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, but let's say. An serial artist. killer. Let's say, I, oh, okay, serial killer. <laughs> serial killer. Could you see yourself in a, a quantum universe where you're a serial killer? I mean, I think if if my maybe my parents had been different and I'd been you know <laughs> abused or some other thing as a child, mm-hmm. perhaps. I think mm-hmm. I think that's a, that's a, that's a, that to me seems like an easier switch than something like uh, having hot dog fingers. <laughs> well, I will right. say, Dan. I, again, I'm, I'm interrupting here, but. But Ben's answer sounds a lot like the answer of an evil super genius. Um, I, I don't want to go back to that, but that was kind of no evading question. the question, Dan. I, I, I caught it. I caught it. I, I make notes of all this stuff. My, <laughs> the sinister Ben answers. There's a, yeah. I'm going to publish it one day. I mean, I think the, the reality is the trajectory of a life is, 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 gr- is greatly affected just by the circumstances of our childhood. And mm. there's a lot, I think there's a lot of things, and, and maybe not so much serial killer. I think ma- maybe a serial killer also requires some genetic things. And for to be genetically me and have that disposition is probably not likely, at least I would hope it's not likely. <laughs> um, hopefully it's a likelihood of zero. Which goes um, right to what I said. I don't think there's a world where you could become yeah. a serial killer. Now, I, I will say the likelihood of me being a 
artist along the lines of drawing or painting, I think that's mm -hmm. zero because certainly my genetics and brain chemistry does has not given me the fine motor skills <laughs> to uh, be a good uh, be a good two D artist. So I will I will say that one zero. I love serial killers. Serial killer may be zero. Artist definitely zero. Definitely for those keeping track at home. Yeah. Well, and, and Dan, I think the key thing here is mm -hmm. the confusion people often have when we say in quantum mechanics, there's lots of things that are probable. Many of them have a small probability. There are also lots of things with a probability of zero. We, we mm -hmm. tend to overemphasize the existence of the small probability things and forget to remind people, you are exactly right, Dan, as always, that there mm -hmm. are things with zero probability. Right, and so not everything is possible for you. Um, mm -hmm. But what is cool is when you have a quantum multiverse, everything is existing at the same time, whatever that right. everything is, right? Mm -hmm. So, well, I mean, like, I don't think that there's a world that exists where I don't have the correct answer. That to me is probability zero, which <laughs> right. I think you guys can can agree with. Uh, but what I do love is, you know, what you said. Is, you know, there's there's these branching worlds where people took different paths. And the cool thing in this movie that I like, and we talked about this a little bit in our Travelers episode, was being able to access people's skills, right? Like what skills can you actually access? And so for in this movie, they basically find a version of themselves that can do that thing. Uh, usually martial arts, by the way, uh, but they can do, they can do something. Well, sign some spinning, Dan, sign spinning. <laughs> right. But well, that's martial arts though. She uses it to swing like a chair around or something. Or right? so, so the ultimate end is fighting. In there too. Yeah. Yes. Singing is in there. Uh, but, they, you know, there's this finding that person, that version of you that can do that thing that you can then acquire. Uh, this is kind of interesting, plus that low probability thing, how they get there. This, to me, was probably my favorite aspect of the movie because it's something I'd never seen before. No, I'm, I'm with you, Dan. I'm with you. I loved both of those. I don't know, Ben, was there one that appealed more to you as an engineer or were they both equally interesting? Uh, I think for me... I like the raccoon because one, <laughs> it, it's a single decision difference there. It's what did, mm -hmm. what animal did the Pixar uh, writers decide? Um, now they're, they're missing the pun, of course, with the raccoon. I don't know. Do you like call the movie raconteur or something like that? But <laughs> it's <a, laughs> then he'd be telling it, stories the whole time. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I really I, I like that because I think other than beavers, I think uh, you know the raccoons are. Nature's second engineer after the beavers. <laughs> well, now, now, not so that's what you're. Well, how do we get to that point, right? Like, how do we get to this? The the the, the abilities. How do we harness these abilities uh, from afar? That's what I'm trying to get to. Yes, here. of course. Uh, boy, I I think what I want is the ability to make mech armor out of discarded office materials, like the mm -hmm. uh, the dad does that, the, or the grandfather. I guess depending on which generation you consider the protagonist to be. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, I, I want that skill. I want to learn how to make mech armor out of uh, old printers. Well, you know, and, and Dan, I think if, if those are the skills Ben wants, right, you know, the challenge in this, which we've seen in other things, is are you just moving your consciousness or are you moving your body too, right? Mm -hmm. Because particularly like the martial arts skills, it's the whole package. And that's what I liked right. about this. 
Um, because, it, again, I'm going back to Schrodinger's cat, right? You put a cat, for those who don't know, you put a cat in a box. It sounds very cruel. And you, mm-hmm. and you have, you know, sort of a radioactive decay event that triggers releasing poison. So it's a random event. The cat's either dead or alive. You don't know. And in quantum mechanics, it's in both states. It's both dead and alive until you mm-hmm. open the box and look, right? And what I love about this is the two things you're talking about is, are you a martial artist or are you your current person? And right, and there's, there's sort of, they're two different people, but they're the same person. And you see the moment where they're in superposition, right? You always see these moments where they're partly having a conversation mm-hmm. in the other world and they're partly in this world. They're right. both for a while and a key observation event has to occur and you literally snap into the mm-hmm. state you want in the world you want. And that right. is just so quantum right there, Dan. Us physicists just get really excited by that. I mean, it just it goes through the roof because those macroscopic is the word we use, superpositions, are just so hard to explain. Physicists around the world are going to be taking those clips and showing them in their classrooms <laughs> to explain what goes on. <laughs> well, I do like it. I also have to say, just as a side note here, the Schrodinger's cat thought experiment is arguably the most complicated way to possibly kill a cat. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's extraordinarily... Uh, you know, yeah. Well, yeah, you know, you know. The weird. point is not to kill the cat, Dan. The point is to explain quantum mechanics. So, you know, <laughs> right, yeah. right. And right, we felt enough, really bad enough. putting a person in the box, so they went with cat. With right. Cat. They wanted right. to create well, enough feel feeling without getting people <laughs> yeah. upset. <laughs> yeah, people like cats. Yeah, you're not familiar with the internet, Dan, and people love. Oh, cats. I, I love cats, but that's why they wanted a little bit of the feeling, but sure. not the total insanity. Well, that's sure. how you know Schrodinger is pre-internet. Like now it would be, Definitely. it would be some other an- horrible animal or maybe like a rabbit animal. Maybe that's how you take care of a rabbit animal. Yeah. Like a raccoon or something is what yeah. I mean. Like a, right. a rabid raccoon. Rabid Unrabid raccoon. raccoons are great. Yeah. Right. <laughs> this will be it. It'll be the brain trust rabid raccoon. Uh, yes. Experiment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so we have, I like this idea you have, you know, you, you so this kind of answers my question here, Denon, which is, you know, if you're, if, if you're actually switching both body and mind, not just consciousness, then your body does have the muscle memory to do all that martial arts. Because as we talk about travelers, it gets a little tricky there, what your body can do versus what your brain knows that it can do, you know? And And that's, that's uh, that's the difference. Travelers is just sending the mind. So it gets confusing. Yeah. What we forget quantum mechanically, and, and it's pointed out in this movie by the daughter, right, that everything really is just a wave function. Mm-hmm. Um, and that includes all the molecules in your body. So every, every atom, every electron can go in superposition with the atoms and electrons in the other version of you. And when you snap in, you have all that muscle memory too. That's what is so cool about this is it's not just your consciousness that's moving from the universe is it's the whole wave function. I think it's also important to remember as compared to travelers, in this case, you're going into a body that is your own body. So you're a lot more likely to be able to be easily adapt to that. Mm -hmm. Like it makes a lot more sense if I'm a martial artist superhero in one universe and I transfer to a universe where I'm not, at least, you know, the bones are the same length and things Mm -hmm. like that. Like it's an easier leap a quantum leap, if you will, right. to uh, be a martial, to transfer that skill to that new body mm-hmm. than if uh, I were to go into somebody else who's, you know, five inches shorter than me and has shorter arms and all that kind of stuff. 
Right. Or they could yeah. be five inches shorter and have longer arms. I mean, that's yeah. also possible. That's true. <laughs> I, I, I have short arms for my height, and it's why I'm a bad rock climber. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I, I, there might be a version of you with a little bit taller and not as good of a rock climber. It, maybe there's a good rock climber version of me somewhere, but they would have a different body type, and uh, we wouldn't be drift compatible. <laughs> right. <laughs> Quantum compatible. Right. <laughs> Uh, I do want to say one thing here before we move on, which I thought was interesting. So I want to talk uh, about how we, you know, how do we switch these bodies with these low probability right. events, which is cool. But the one thing that, that I, I, I wanted to mark here is that, you know, for the main character, uh, the, the mom, she is living her worst timeline. And the spectrum goes from inventing quantum uh, travel, <laughs> which is what one of her versions does. And the other one is managing a failing laundromat in a, in a life that she's miserable in. That's the right. spectrum. <laughs> I mean, that would be awful. Like if you found, if you suddenly discovered that in fact you're living the worst version of yourself and you're capable of so much more. Uh, that's so depressing. Actually, that was like a moment in the film where I was like, Oh my God, like this, this just got real. But Dan, you know, it turns depressing to hope and you know me, I'm, I'm the eternal optimist, right? It is, it is the fact that she understood all those bad decisions that she could embrace all of the successes at once and become the hero of the movie. So it is out of the depths of despair that hope and triumph comes. I mean, just look at all our, our famous superheroes who have that tragic event that then drives them to save the world. Yeah, the best superheroes, most of them which are on my team, by the way. Go ahead, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think most of them are on my team. But uh, I think what, what's also important is that failure and strife gives her the ability to empathize with the with Joy, the Jobu Topaki, and, mm -hmm. and figure out what she's going through. If she was only successful, she wouldn't understand the millennial angst or maybe gen... <laughs> Or maybe a Zoomer angst. I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, <laughs> Whatever angst. What age? Yeah, you got, you got, you got She's probably yeah. actually more of a, a, a Gen Z kind of person. Anyways, the fact of the matter is, she's able to empathize with her daughter and and understand her pain and her struggles because she has struggled herself. Okay, fair enough. It's still depressing to me to imagine that you could have <laughs> invented interstellar travel or, and then interstellar, integral, inter quantum travel, uh, or the trade off is you understand your daughter. I, I don't know. <laughs> you know. And then save the, the whole multiverse, Dan. Uh, yeah, that's fair. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Okay. Um, yeah. I like being the smart person. I don't want to be the martyr. Let someone else be the martyr. I want to invent okay. the quantum travel. <laughs> yeah. uh, but let's talk about these low probability events. L low probabil uh, probability events like me becoming a martyr. Like, th this, is, this is key <laughs> to this movie. Uh, and Denon, I want to. This to me was very unique, very clever. And I want to know how does generating these random low probability events? How does that jibe with uh, with quantum physics and quantum stuff? Well, I will be honest. This is the one piece that is pure speculation, but I I put it in the right. category of great speculation, right. right? For the following reason, right? Like we, if we believe in this multiverse model, right? Um, connecting and superpositioning ourselves across different ones, particularly ones that are farther away, um, would be fundamentally controlled by low probabilities, right? And I love the idea, you know, ask the question, like, we know how to control electricity and magnetism, right? Mm -hmm. you, 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 you use the fact that you have positive and negative charges and how they attract and repel. So it, it is, I think, a brilliant twist to say, okay, if what you want to control is the quantum state you're in, what you're trying to control is getting yourself in a highly unprobabilistic, a highly low, a, a low probability state, 
right? Right. And and, and okay. that opens you up to doing this. So um, very, very clever. And, and I love the combination with the idea of a way to actually calculate what particular low probability event will get you to a particular place. Um, and this is really the domain, uh, I'll hand it off here to Ben, of you know, that electrical engineering and building a computer that can calculate strange things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I mean, computers are good at doing probabilities to some degree. Actually, th this actually gives me a new thought here, Dan, and, I, and I'm glad you brought it up. Because if these things are really improbable... You need computers with very large math to calculate those probabilities. And mm -hmm. I don't know if our current uh, architectures have enough significant bits to even calculate those kinds of low probabilities. Yeah. You know, we, we only have mm -hmm. so much uh, precision in our modern computers. And it, and it brings up the, the, the issue of how do you even bring this technology into a new world? Uh, do you... Are standard? Do you need quantum computing, for example, to to do this stuff? And can you build mm -hmm. these quantum devices with the technology, with at least sufficiently advanced technology you can find in any universe? I mean, clearly you must be able to, because you know there aren't quantum. Well, actually, we don't know. Presumably, there aren't quantum computers yet in the uh, protagonist universe. Yet, uh, yet the dad is able to build the Bluetooth wave function devices and has his quantum map on his, you know, cell phone. So to some degree it's working unless maybe it's a project. Oh, maybe it's a projection from the alpha universe. That could also be the case. And you can pick up that on any conventional device. That's actually, that's how it is. You're, you're, <laughs> you're picking up the electromagnetic uh, signal on a traditional device in the new universe that's being projected quantumly from the alpha universe that has figured all this out already. I like going on that trip. I like going on that trip with you, Ben, because I feel like you started out not knowing anything and you came, you stumbled across a brilliant answer and you tied it all up and you made yeah. it work. That was a beautiful that, walk. That's engineering for you there, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like it too. I have to admit at one point, I was thinking where we were going to go with this is, you know, the Bluetooth ear devices are sufficiently um, misunderstood and, and poorly understood technology. Like nobody really knows why they work. And that's why they pick those to make the quantum <laughs> devices. But I, I do like Ben's answer way better. Yeah. That's well, great. no one uses them anymore either. So I, I right. like the – well – at least in our universe. Who knows about the other universes? <laughs> There's always someone using one. Uh, they I they could you, be 10 years behind. <laughs> right. Yeah, I will tell you one thing. There's this great TV show called The Rehearsal. Uh, it's a brand new show. But what, what I like about it is it's an analog version of what we're talking about here. Mm. So what, what he does, uh, the main character, he brings someone on the show and they're trying to accomplish something. Right with with someone else, so trying to get through a conversation. So the first um, the first episode is about him finding a guy who wants to tell his best friend something, but he's not sure how that person's going to react. So they hire a bunch of actors and they just go through that conversation over and over again and build like a flow chart of oh, if he says this, then he said then she does this, and then if right. he's, you know, and it's just this beautiful analog version of what we're talking about. I mean, he's creating a quantum universe where every aspect of that conversation exists at some point, and then what's the optimal path to get where you want? I mean. It's, it's really fun. And you know I love bringing analog technology. Into oh, definitely. Now, let's I mean, talk about this. Oh, oh, go ahead, Ben. I was going to just say that to me, that just sounds like a video game conversation tree, which is, <laughs> is its own interesting thing of how do you make a video game that reacts to your decisions yeah. uh, by writing out every possibility. And in a way, that's a good way to think of these quantum universes is every time you make those big decisions in a video game, it spawns a different ending. 
Mm-hmm. Every time we make a big decision in the universe, it spawns a different universe. Yeah, I like that. I mean, and, and you know, I love video games as well, but that's a perfect example. And that's the analog version of it. And when you see it written out, it, it's so cool. Uh, but Ben, you mentioned the alpha verse here. Uh, and I think this is kind of interesting because this is really, this is the universe uh, where quantum travel was created. And they call it the Alphaverse as if it's the first universe. And it gives the impression that this is the universe from which all other universes spawned. I don't think that's the case, but I, this really, this tickled that philosophical side of me, guys. And I looked at how, as human beings, we have this constant pursuit to figure out to basically put us at the center of whatever the conversation is, whether we thought the earth was the center of the universe and then the sun was the center and then that our galaxy was. And now we're talking about a literal universe being the center of a multiverse. You know, this this kind of speaks to that need to be at the center when, in fact, we always learn that we are not at all in the center of anything. And we're just pretty normal and basic and, you know, kind of mixed somewhere in the middle. Uh, Depressing, yes. Reality, also yes. You know, so Dan, something about this that I think is really important, and this is the other reason I love this, and I love the title, which I always get wrong, but let's take the word sort of everything, right? Mm -hmm. And they're maps of the quantum universes. If you notice, it's a network map, not really a linear time map. And I think that's Mm -hmm. the challenge for us. We only experience time linearly. We've talked about this in many of our time travel episodes. But the thing about the wave function is it just all of it exists all at once, right? Mm-hmm. And and the many worlds theory is really just about how all of those different wave, what, wait, where are all the peaks and valleys in the wave function everywhere? And our experience of it is sort of moving through that network along a particular path. And, you know, if you want to get really mathematical and technical, time is just a parameter that gives you the particular order that you move through a particular path. But there is no center. There is no beginning. There is no end. And so the alpha verse is the out, you know, is the verse that has the discovery of time travel. There's not even a first here. It just not time travel. Sorry, the multiverse travel. Right. Mm -hmm. It's kind of both. It's kind of both. But but time becomes irrelevant in the many worlds theory, ultimately. Right, what you really are doing, your local time matters, but it's just your movement through the network. All of those universes, every occurrence exists all at once and everywhere, and you just pop between them in some order. And that's why you can superposition between different things because they all exist at basically the same time, just different probabilities and different distances in the wave function. Uh, It's very, very hard to explain and and think about, but just Mm -hmm. think about that map they have on their device. It's a network map and that's, and everything's there. I I love that representation of it. And it solves your problem. There is no center. And I will tell you, if you look behind me, this is kind of what you see in my background is this kind of, you know, this map of all these different universes interconnected. Uh, You know, I I mean, it's great, but it's, you know, it still doesn't answer this question of why do we need to put ourselves at the center uh, of everything, you know? Um, And I think that that's universal. Um, Ben, you seem like the least likely to put yourself at the center. Uh, (laughs) What do you think about this human pursuit? I mean, I think, you know, I, I take the practical approach. You know, if you think about Earth, right, Earth is on the outside of you know it's on the outskirts of the spiral arm of the milky way we're in a pretty sparse part of the the galaxy our galaxy isn't anywhere near really the center of the uni- of the universe we're kind of on the outskirts there too mm-hmm. and there's not a lot of galaxies near us at least not right now so you know in a couple billion years there, there's the whole andromeda galaxy problem mm-hmm. but uh <laughs> 
you know, it's, uh, you know, it, it's interesting to think about that. You know, if, you, if you, we think about our place in the galaxy and the universe, it makes sense. You know, we're not, we're not really significant. And why would the Alpha universe is only significant in that they discovered this travel first. And to be fair, they don't even know that they're the first to discover the travel. They're mm -hmm. just the first ones they've discovered who have discovered the travel. For all ah, we know, on the other yeah. side of that map that they've not reached yet, there's there's quantum travelers too. You know, that's the beauty of infinite space is you can never know if you're the first of anything because it's impossible to search the space. Well, I, I'm going to turn this around, Dan, and blow your mind okay. and answer your question why we're the center. It's a simple mathematical thing. Um, and I know I'm the center of the universe. And there's a classic joke. Um, how does a mathematician capture a lion in a cage in the desert? And what he does is he walks into the cage, closes it, and defines the inside of the cage to be outside, the outside to be the inside, and the lion is now captured inside the cage. <laughs> Very simple. Sure. Very simple technique. Um, and, and I think that's the problem, right? Center is, is a human constructed idea, Dan. And mm -hmm. it's very clear I am the center of the universe because everything like is connect. The only thing I experience is everything radiating out from me. I am right. never actually standing somewhere else and experiencing things radiating out from that. So by right. definition, I mean, Ben's description of our locations is right, but, but it still makes me the center. It's just that the other stuff that looks dense is far away from the center. So it's all personal <laughs> perception. Well, there is this interesting idea, right? Like that these universes are spawning because I've made some decision. Exactly, right? or me. I mean, that's weird. So that, so that I, Daniel J. Glenn, analytical mastermind, I have my own pocket of other universes where I've made other decisions. I, look, even for me, that goes, that steps into hubris. You know, that, that goes outside of comedic hubris and that goes into real hubris, right? Um, which then says, you know, with, with, to your point, Ben, with this alpha verse, they may just be, it's just, um, I, I cannot think of their characters' names, but um, the, the husband and wife duo, they're just jumping around to people, to themselves in their own little mini universes. So they're like their own little pocket. Uh, but then you start to think that this multiverse is, in order for it to exist, would have to be gigantic and consist of pocket universes for each individual person. And I just don't think that we're significant enough to generate that many universes. And I know I'm not. So uh, I don't know. That, that's where this whole thing of being the center, uh, I, don't, I don't know about my mind's spiraling out of control right now. <laughs> well, I got to say, Dan, since you're the analytical mastermind, mm -hmm. that means you always make the right decision which means mm -hmm. you always make the same decision. So right. how could you possibly spawn a universe? Because you'd always make exactly the same correct decision every time. That is interesting, Dan. You may be the only individual with a single set of universes. Um, <laughs> wow, that's amazing. That's brilliant analysis there, Ben. You, you're, you're, tack, you're, you're, you're vying for I'm my crown here. I'm learning a little from you, Dan. Yeah, yeah, you're vying for my crown here. I love it. Uh, well, let's talk about, you know, you just kind of painted me as all-powerful, which I appreciate that. So I want to close here with another all-powerful figure, and that's Joy. Uh, the Jubu Kubaku, what was it? Uh, Gamjabar, yeah. Gamjabar. <laughs> no, no uh, Gamjabar wait, is another movie, Dad. You're just making me say words <laughs> Jobu now. Jobu Tabaki. <laughs> there you go, Jobu Tabaki. Uh, now, this is kind of, you know, this was a, an interesting twist on this because Joy becomes this all-powerful being, which this very much reminded me of The Matrix. And she says this interesting thing where she basically turns, I think, like... Um, uh, it might be a dildo, I think is what, what she hit someone over the head with. And she turns it into an axe and then a gun. Uh, so it goes from, you know, <laughs> she turns it into all these different the confetti, I think at some point. 
so she, how does that, you know, how does she do that? She says that it's, everything is a random arrangement of particles and a vibrating superposition. This is really what Dr. Manhattan does. He can take any set of molecules and turn them into any other set of molecules. You know, uh, we go from the lewd to the useful uh, w- w- with her little transformation. Uh, this, you know, she even stops bullets at one point. So this has a very much, it feels like if you had control of this power, you are really creating, controlling, and, and manipulating every aspect of reality. That seems to be what's going on here. So, Den, I'm going to ask you, is this possible? And then, B, how is that any different than a god or the god? You know, I think it's really an interesting question because when it comes down to it, the thing she says that we know is kind of right is everything at the end is this weird wave function, which is just a vibration, and the molecules you get depend on how the wave function's vibrating, in a sense. And so the, I, the concept of being able to control the wave function really is the core of being able to change things arbitrarily. Um, and we do have this weird thing in quantum mechanics that we don't fully understand that you get the quantum state when you make an observation. And so there is always been this philosophical conundrum of how much does consciousness and ob- – like what makes an observation? Mm-hmm. We know right. we do. But, you know, it seems to be that the apparatus does as well, but does the apparatus make the observation on its own or does it require us to look at the data that was made? And if an observation is required, why is there even a universe here, right? And so to your point, Dan, at some level, some people do take the philosophical point of view of something like God is the ultimate observer that is allowing all of us to exist because if nothing's Mm -hmm. observing, you don't get anything. So... This is where quantum mechanics hits metaphysics, hits really, really, you know, kooky drug culture, right? You're everywhere <laughs> along right? <laughs> everywhere along the spectrum. Sure. Um, you know, it's a spectrum. It's not, you know, discrete points. Right. Um, but it's it's it is an unknown where we are right now with physics of like, could you actually manipulate the wave function? And if so, what powers does that give you? And and this is one one, I think, speculation that is a speculation, but is not totally an insane speculation, which is scary or mm-hmm. exciting, depending yeah, well, on how much you want magical superpowers. All <laughs> I'm realizing here is I picked the wrong uh, the wrong hero for my number one pick. Yeah. Although I guess we have to debate whether or not Joy is a hero or not. But you know, She's I think not. we can also say that for <laughs> Doctor Manhattan. Oh, yeah, in some ways. yeah, that was yeah. pretty definitive. Yeah. <laughs> and as you said, I don't make any wrong decisions. So Joy is definitely. <laughs> Not, here. not a superhero. No. In the end, she does, she seems to do good, but all right. Yeah, I don't well, know. The, I, 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 see, the mom's a hero, and she gets the same powers by the end. So I oh, think yeah. that's okay. who you picked. Well, there that. you go. I should t- I should take Evelyn for my draft. <laughs> yep, that's right. I mean, at least she'd be useful. Doctor Manhattan's again sitting on Mars. Uh, well, we've covered <laughs> we've covered a lot here, guys. Uh, you know, we, this, we've got to get our errors, additions, and omissions section in here. We've covered a lot, but there's got to be stuff that we missed. Denon, anything that you wanted to mention that we didn't quite get to? Well, I have to say, I I absolutely loved the scene where they're rocks. Um, you know me, um, Dan, I'm really into free will and consciousness. And the idea that you would have consciousness without life, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, just I just found absolutely hysterical. And it, it, it is interesting. I've seen the movie twice. The first time I saw it, I just I, I laughed out loud and uncontrollably. Mm-hmm. Um, the second time I saw it, when I saw the rocks, it was still funny, but I didn't 
quite lose control. And it made right. me wonder, was I in a different quantum universe? Was I in the same one? Mm. Um, mm-hmm. What was my mental state at the time? I will say sure. the first time I saw the movie, I was rather in a distraught state for various reasons. I don't remember why. And mm-hmm. so it had a bigger emotional punch. So there's yeah. a lot going on there of my own personal viewing experience and my yeah. quantum entanglement with the movie. Yes. But I'm going to stand by, at least at one point, one version of me thought two rocks having a conversation was the funniest thing I ever saw. I don't know what that says, what that means, but there it is. That could either be an error or an addition. It might be kooky drug culture is what comes <laughs> to my mind. It might be kooky drug uh, that's culture. That's what comes to my mind. Uh, what about you, Ben? Anything about this or the rocks? Did they, did they tickle, your, you know, tickle your funny bone? I, mean, I've, I thought it was pretty funny to put the googly eyes on them and how did the googly eyes get there if there's no intelligent life mm-hmm. um but i i think for me because because clearly you need intelligent life to make googly eyes right you know you could you, yeah. you couldn't get there without that yeah they don't evolve um, on their own but i think for me the other you know just highlighting the the fantastic insights this movie has is that you can only get a paper cut when you don't want one right uh you can't give yourself intentionally it's very difficult to intentionally give yourself a paper cut mm-hmm. uh I I really enjoy the the philosophical depth that things like that brought to this film. Well, I it, it, you know it's also amazing. Four paper cuts are would be really painful. Paper cuts are surprisingly shocking. I, I can't painful. even watch that scene. I had to look away. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. Uh, but but I will tell you, I laughed hysterically and at something very painful. Uh, so first of all, my my heiress addition to mission starts with. Pro wrestling, of course. Lots of pro wrestling stuff in here. Lots of, uh, there's a DDT, there's a backbreaker. You know, I love all that stuff. And I have to admit something to you that I'm embarrassed to admit. And that is, I thought the funniest part was when the random element was for a guy to stick a trophy up his butt. And he kept trying to jump around, trying to sit on this trophy. It is poo-poo humor. It is the lowest, basest form of humor. I love elevated, sophisticated humor. And I could not help myself from not only laughing during the first time, but also the second time that I watched it. So that was a little bit of an embarrassment. Uh, I, I, I've gone this far without a shameless plug for fascinating nouns. Jamie Lee Curtis is a forensic accountant in this epi- in this movie. I did a whole episode on forensic accounting for fascinating nouns. You will find a link somewhere uh, in the show notes where I will put there. And again, I want to mention, I think for the second time in my Airs Editions and Omissions section, I want to mention the actor K. Hoi Kwan, who plays a short round in the Indiana Jones series, and he plays the dad in this movie. I thought he was actually phenomenal. Yeah, he, he kind of has a second Everyone career. Was phenomenal. Yeah, no, they were. They were, right, but I'm specifically talking about him. Uh, he was great in this because <laughs> because he. Uh, I just thought he was really good, and you know, he had this whole break in his acting career, and you know, this is like a second uh, a second yeah. win for him, and I I really want to see what else he does. I, I thought he was he was phenomenal here. Dan, I have to add on to that. Speaking of you know second wins and breaks in your career. Um, I, I did get really thirsty making this episode, and you made the shameless plug for fascinating, you know, nouns. And and yeah. I forgot to take a drink earlier. Yeah. Um, and I really think you know people who get thirsty should reach for their you know fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear based technology mugs. It's you know, oh, that's a it's the only mug. way to go. That's right? a beautiful mug. Or their or their water bottles. Oh, what a what about what, now? Could you let's say you're you're sucking down on a bagel, uh, uh, Ben? What would you want to to really quench that thirst? Uh, well, I, I would probably go for tea, but mm-hmm. also the water would be good as well. Mm-hmm. I think you get tea from Denon's mug or the water from your wonderful water bottle. I love it. That That is beautiful. And you can't travel the quantum multiverse without 
a wonderful t-shirt, uh, which are still available. Uh, we're going to put up some new merch. This is this is a, a classic uh, classic quote that I have. We're going to put up some other ones because we've come up with some great quotes here. Uh, but, you know, we, we've got – this is not the end of the discussion. If you want to find the show, if you want to co- you know, put questions, comments, you can send your questions to – Question, uh, how many times can I fit questions into a sentence? Questions at <laughs> FGGBT.com. You can find us on social media, FGGBTPod on uh, Twitter, FGGBT <laughs> on Facebook. Of course, you can get in touch with us individually. Denon, where can people find you? Well, they can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Denon Michael. Um, and on Facebook, you just stick in a prof there at Prof Denon Michael. And if you're in the alternate universe where I've started doing my TikTok, I don't know what the handle is yet, but you know, someday you'll find me on TikTok, I'm sure, once it's no longer relevant. Wow. <laughs> wonderful, <laughs> wonderful promotion there, Denon. You can't beat that. Uh, what about you, Ben? Where can people find you? <laughs> you can find me on all the major social media networks at B Seepser. How do you spell that? You spell that B-S-I-E-P-S-E-R. And I can be found on Twitter at Daniel J. Glenn, on Instagram at the Daniel J. Glenn, and on Facebook at Analytical Mastermind. Uh, that's where you can find me, where you can find us if you want to continue this conversation. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And if you're watching us on YouTube, hit the like button, subscribe, and ring that bell so you never miss an episode. And finally, this show contains powerful scientific information that can be misused to help you tra- travel the quantum universe. So you want to be careful with this. You want to toe, there's a, there's a thin line between superhero and supervillain. And of course, you want to be a superhero, not a supervillain. Make the right choice. So until next time, thank you for listening. Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies is a Glencoe production and is produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and Paul Springers with music and sound design written and performed by Paul Springers. Now, of course, if you're listening to this episode and you've gotten this far, you're going to want to subscribe. Well, how do you do that? We're on all the major podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. But if you're not already subscribed to those platforms, I made it easy for you. Go to our website, fgbt.com. You'll find links to those subscribe buttons and also links to our social media, both for the show and for our individual experts, the members of the Brain Trust. That's all right there fgbt.com and before you leave don't forget to check out our other episodes you can find the link at the top of the page for everything we've got and you'll notice that we've got both a YouTube version and an audio only version depending on what you like we got it for you and if you do like those videos you can go ahead and subscribe to those as well we're on youtube.com backslash Daniel J. Glenn and once again if you like this show you're going to like everything that I do go to danieljglenn.com to find out more thank you for listening